Oh dear. Welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, where we discuss all things app development. And in this episode, I speak with senior software engineer and author of the investment site Foxy Monkey, Michael Vogiatsis. We talk about building wealth as a software developer, investment options for freelancers, putting your money to work for you, how to get more out of your limited company, and much, much more. Now on to the show. So before we get into today's episode, just a little bit of housekeeping from me. There wasn't an episode last week, so apologies for that. I didn't manage to get, I didn't manage to finish editing last week's episode in time. So you're hearing it this week instead. And then just a quick note about this week's episode. So this is a topic that is a little bit removed from coding, but I would definitely recommend giving it a listen because it's a topic that I don't see spoken about that often amongst software engineers, which is the topic of investment and investing your money and different things that you could do with your money other than just putting it in a savings account. And this is a topic that I'm super interested in. This is a topic that I know a lot of people are interested in. And this is a topic that I would like to get a lot more people interested in, especially given that, you know, inflation is running rampant all over the world. The cost of living is going up. So anything that we can do with our money that is better than just putting in put that is better than just putting it in a savings account I definitely want to get that out there for people to be aware of and look into themselves and I just want to give the preface before we get into today's episode that this episode is for informational purposes only so if you're interested in anything that we talk about in the episode make sure you go and do your own research speak to your accountant if you've got an accountant and make sure you get some professional advice or at the very least do your own research before you go and take any of the steps that we talk about in the show because as I said, this is for informational purposes only. I am not an accountant. I am not a financial advisor and neither is Michael. So with that being said, now here's today's episode. Just before we get into today's episode, if you're listening and you're enjoying the show and you would like to become a supporter of the show, you can now do so for as little as $2 a month over at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash support. Helps the podcast ticking over, helps me invest in new equipment to make the podcast better, like this fancy Rode Procaster mic that I'm using right now, which was significantly more expensive compared to the original Samsung Q2U mic that I was using for probably the first 30 or 40 episodes or so. So if you want to support the show, you can do so over at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash support. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello. How's it going? I'm good, Rob. How are you? I'm not too bad. I had like a, a panicked 10 minutes. I restarted my laptop just before this. Okay. And it decided to do an update oh, when no. it was restarting. And then it come up with a message that said, uh, um, update failed. And then it was just sitting there for like five minutes. So I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I had to literally turn my laptop upside down. And apparently there's a little uh, pin button to reset it. And I had to press that. And then it started working. <laughs> Just like the worst time in technology. This is how it goes. How's your day going? Yeah, it's it's all right. Um, I uh, I just finished a call with someone that needed help around um, around you know, personal and, and company finances. So I'm still yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 in the mood. Let's say. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, sweet. All right, nice. Are you still in Greece? Or are you, I'm in are you London. Else? I'm in London. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So when when did you get back? Uh, I got back a couple of days ago, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Because you were out there for a while, right? Uh, yeah, I was there for a couple of months. Um, you know, thanks to 
you know, COVID and remote working trends. I can do that more easily these days. So I love the flexibility. Um, at the same time, I love in-person interactions. So, you know, um, occasionally I, uh, I like to go and, you know, meet people and, uh, uh, and, you know, uh, do some pair programming as well and, uh, think about things like that. And, you know, meetings if, when, when they are not pointless, uh, and, um, <laughs> And I, you know, I love talking to people, but um, at the same time, you know, if you have the flexibility, why not? If you can um, take a bit of time to work remotely and then do some uh, different different activities in the in the weekends, then uh, I guess it's uh, it's worth it. Yeah, definitely. So just to give people that are listening, uh, just like a brief background, because obviously I want to get into like the money and finance stuff. But before we get there, you are and were a developer before this stuff, right? That's so right. Can yeah. you just give like a super brief just overview of, of like your journey to here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At heart, I'm still a, a developer, so that's my 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 my, my core. I, I live in London. I live and work here, and um, like you said, I'm not, I'm not the finance guy. Uh, I'm probably more uh, more of a software engineer uh, and than than, uh, than a finance. But I just happened to follow a path that uh, lead led me to you know invest uh, more than uh, um, more than my. Uh, colleagues, let's say that um, that they used to work with at the time, and and put and put a different approach to how um, how I invest and perhaps how I I approach um, the the wealth that software engineers uh, can get, um, and that's not just because I'm special. Uh, that's definitely not the case. It's it's probably because um, I just um, um, I got hooked to this. Uh, um, no financial independence mindset that uh that 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 lets you you know be uh, grab more freedom and and be more uh more optimistic uh, when it comes to finances let's say okay sweet all right so question just off the top um before we jump into it how much of your time now is coding and how much of your time is like what i essentially assume is your side hustle in terms of the finance stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Um, no i would say that um uh, most of my time is is coding uh my my the final side of things um is probably i don't know 20% and mostly weekends and some some nights and um and um occasional days but i'd say that uh, you know most of my time is still spent doing software engineering and um, um you know i love the craft i love uh, creating creating things uh at the same time uh i want to um you know, do do more things with the uh, money that's left behind, and um, I'd say that um, this is why I have uh, dedicated some of my uh, free time to you know wealth building and uh, building a community for that, and um, and all the other you know side hustling that uh, that I'm doing. Okay, cool. All right, so I, I want to get into the the side hustle, but just again for people that are listening, because you you mentioned wealth building, right? I have a pretty good idea knowing who you are and kind of being on that path of what you're talking about. I would imagine there's a lot of people listening to this that, you know, at least in like in UK terms, don't even have an answer mm-hmm. or, or or don't understand like the idea of, of what they could be doing. Um, so like what, like what is wealth building, building to you or how would you explain it to somebody who has no concept essentially of, of what it is that we're talking about? Yeah. I mean, in, in just, I'll say, you know, in plain English, I would say that wealth building is making your money work harder for you and uh and just um doing things a little bit more uh, a little bit different uh to just you know approach the um the finance side of things 
like a, like a business, like um, um, like an optimization technique. Let's say, like we, we're software engineers, we like to optimize things. Uh, we like to you know leave the room better than we found it, and and all this. Um, and when it comes to uh, to finances, I'd say that um, um, personally, I also like to optimize this area, and you know perhaps do. Uh, more with my savings or half savings in the first place. Uh, so, you know, half savings in the first place and then see how I can, uh, use my savings to just give me more freedom, uh, uh in life and, uh, not just to me, but my family as well. So I'll, you know, I have a three year old and, uh, uh, and a lovely wife here in, in London. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. All right. So then how did you get into, cause I assume you didn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause you have a blog, right? And I assume the intention when you started the blog was not or if I'm wrong, let me know that it wasn't like, oh, I can turn this into a business. I would assume it was, oh, one second. Someone's wandering in. All right. Well, I thought it was the dog from me now. So she's got thumbs. That's weird. Yeah. I assume the intention wasn't like, oh, I can turn this into a business. It was just writing about stuff that you were learning and like sharing it with the community. So how did that kind of morph itself into um, like what Foxy Money is today? Yeah. Um, so Foxy Monkey started um, as a more like a, a blog to uh, write my thoughts and uh, basically seek feedback, right? So the, one of the best things of, of writing is that you can A, structure your thoughts. Okay. So you can basically um, see if you understand the problem um, uh, no, as as uh, no, well enough, basically, uh, and um, and then only when you try to write it and explain it to others, you will you'll see if you can uh, understand it well enough, and then and then B also get feedback uh, on my approach and tell people you know what I'm doing in order for in order to get feedback and help them as well because a lot of people um, uh, came to me and asked me about you know, guidance and what 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 else is out there and uh, what to do with my uh you know savings as a freelancer and things like that um and uh, now i you know when i had like a core structure in place where i had a few articles out there i could just point them into an article then um that that, that, that probably explains it better than i will do uh, at that point in a pub or something um um so so it became something of more more like a habit to document my journey and help others so that's that's how it it started and eventually um that um, grew into more um you know more people that, that i didn't know uh, reading my stuff thanks to you know seo and google and uh, people spreading the word basically reddit as well and um and people started um you know needed i, I guess something more uh from it so some, a lot of people um, or complaining to me about their accountants and you know that, that, that I should uh, get on one-to-one with them and help them. Uh, so I kind of started uh, basically you know, telling people in a more private way or over emails, helping them uh, over emails or recommending professionals. And sometimes professionals didn't do a good job, so they were you know, kept looking for more. Um, so it evolved throughout the, the years. Uh, I think it started in 2016, so yeah, six years now. Uh, into it and um, it became more of a of a place that um, uh, contractors uh, business owners uh, you know agencies come to find more information about uh, how to combine the you know, the business side of it with um, the the investing side of things uh, particularly when it comes to to companies uh, and business investing okay all right cool so so to get into it a little bit so 
for people that are listening that aren't freelancers or aren't in the UK, um, and I, I'm sure I'm sure this stuff applies like worldwide, but it will be worded and stuff slightly differently. But in the UK, if you're if you're a, a contract developer, you work for a limited company, right? So what often happens is you get paid X amount of money, you pay yourself a tax friendly salary, um, which in the UK caps out about fifty thousand pounds depending on the year, and then if you made more than that then you might end up with 10 or 20 or whatever you have left in your bank account, in your business bank account, just sitting there doing nothing, essentially waiting for next year for you to take that money out again. So what kind of strategies do you recommend people can do with that money? Like what are people's options? Because like I I went through the kind of um, the usual stuff, right? Like, okay, you pay yourself a tax friendly salary. All right, check. What, What else can I do? Okay, cool. You can top up your pension. All right, check. What else can I do? And then there's like, you know, you could throw a Christmas party just because, you know, that's a couple hundred pounds that you can use on that. And you can do like trivial benefits and buy yourself an Amazon gift card every now and again and things like that. But at some point it becomes like there's not really that much more you can do. And you still have this sum of money just sitting there and you can either pay yourself the money and give a big portion of that to the tax man or you can do other things. So what are the other things that people could be doing with that money? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question, Rob. And um, in fact, this is where where uh, where accountants basically start becoming more um more of a naysayers than than you know you know come to me to to uh to, to build your wealth um because i say the the company um uh those you know contractors and uh, as we said in the uk there is this uh, company surplus that remains in the company those people basically need someone not to tell them where to invest, but actually what the implications are of investing. Like what, it's not as simple as, you know, here in the UK, we have the ISAs, right? So the individual savings account, which is a tax-free wrapper. So um, it's not as simple as just opening an account and just putting the money in there. Uh, there are tax implications for uh, doing it, um, you know, uh, in the company uh, and uh, there are different ways to and uh, different pros and cons between the approaches one approach is to just um, you know, open a company account and invest the um, the, um, the amount of money there um, the uh, this is like the, the most direct approach the simplest approach that you can follow um, it comes with some uh, some problems because your as a, as a as a business owner your business is basically in the in the trade of providing you know, software services to to others and other projects it's not of um, that of investing so once you do it in a in a big way and once you invest a substantial amount of your of your of your business then it stops becoming it stops being a, a trading company it it loses what what's called the trading status um and uh, and here in the UK losing the trading status means that you lose certain benefits that the company has for um uh for um for being in, in a trade so uh, you're losing your ability to claim entrepreneurs relief so you're basically losing the uh, ability to close down your company and um and you know do it in a tax efficient way in the most tax efficient way um and um and you lose some uh, some other benefits like your, your inheritance um so trading companies can benefit from uh what's called the business property relief which is related to inheritance that's again a lot more long term but um but still applies um and um and yeah it's it's something that uh, it's not part of your trade so um so there are other approaches to it uh such as opening a different company to separate the trading from the investing part okay uh so this different company can be 
either a separate company that you via uh, loan, so you lend the money from your trading company to your investing company, or it could be um, a group structure. So you can set up a, a group that you know, have companies such as um, you know, a parent company that does investing and a subsidiary, which is your trading that keeps keeps investing, uh, keeps trading, sorry, uh, as it used to. Uh, so there are pros and cons between these approaches, but the main thing is um, what you're trying to get out of it uh, when you need the money because some people might say, yeah, I definitely want to invest, but you know what? I'd like to close the company down in two years. And uh, investing, you know, won't move the needle that much. Uh, if something, it will be risky to invest if you plan to close down the company in two years. Uh, so um, there are different approaches to it. And and, and this is what, um, um, this is why I tried to, you know, structure all the things in a more, in, 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 the, in a course that I, that I created because, the um it's not easy to explain let's say in you know five ten minutes conversation what the tax implications are it's definitely not as simple as uh, as an isa is but it's not um as complicated as you, you might think so uh and if you look at with uh, you know the long-term um dream uh, and long-term uh goal in mind then the benefits are there rather than just you know taking more money out of the business and paying uh, the dividend tax. And you basically, what you do here is you defer your uh, dividend tax. You defer the taxes for later on uh, rather than paying it, uh, paying the tax now and, and investing. Um, and of course, you know, people should definitely seek uh, advice um, and uh, when, when doing this. And uh, the problem, at least here in the UK, is that unfortunately most uh, accountants don't, um, don't, help much in this area uh sometimes they don't know sometimes they don't want to get involved in uh take risk for um uh for their clients and um, it's you know sometimes they, they they don't act as tax advisors let's say right so they just do the bookkeeping part they they, they are in a, in a in a special area and they don't want to you know move out of their comfort zone um but of course this um uh, this creates problems uh this creates opportunities as well uh and um you know um i think that uh taking the time to learn what you can do and uh what can investing do for you and your your future goals uh can be can pay dividends big way uh, literally and figuratively so <laughs> okay sweet all right so i want to ask a couple of questions about that but first thing so i messaged you so i found i found out about your course and i knew there was a course happening i think it was the last one was like may or june as we record now and i was like all right i'm, I'm gonna get on that but i kept like you know i'll sign up tomorrow i'll sign up tomorrow and then it was closed. It's like, you know, you filled the space, it's cool. I have to wait for the next one, right? And then and then I remember like, all right, I was looking into it a little bit, but how how difficult or not was it for you? Because like you said, right, I've I've like recently switched accountants because I had I had an accountant from when I started my business, which was like 2013, up until last year. And then they got a bit expensive and I found an alternative. So I was like, all right, cool, I'll switch. I switched to another accountant. These guys were a very bad decision. So then now I switched again to, and like within the first conversation with my new accountant, I'm like, all right, cool. This, this is, this was a good decision, right? But still having what I would consider, you know, quote unquote, good accountant, I'm not going to get the knowledge from him or the advice from him about the things that you talk about, because I've asked like, what do you think about this? And you just basically get like a blank response. Like if I tell them, can you please do this thing for me? They'll do it. But if I ask them, like, what are my options? They're just like, 
I don't know. So how hard was it for you to figure out all of this stuff? Because it was essentially like you doing your own research into like tax code and stuff, which is not straightforward. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't fun. <laughs> that's for sure, uh, because it was like, you know, going in dark and I, I, I was uh, I would happily pay, actually, if there was there were professionals i'm sure there are professionals out there that do it but but perhaps they're just probably not that easy to find i would i would think is the case exactly these people are not easy to find and perhaps when you find them they're very expensive and perhaps because they're very expensive they only deal with bigger companies so they don't deal with this middle ground of i don't know consultants and perhaps doctors that they have uh, limited companies and these sort of businesses um uh, and this is this was you know quite hard to find. So I was I was basically you know doing and learning at the same time. Um, and I'm you know, I'm glad I found an accountant uh, to to help. But at the same time, I had to do a lot of research. Trust me, I had to spend hours forums, reading HMRC documents, um, uh, guidance, consultations, summaries from HMRC, all sorts of things, and trying to understand the the area a little bit better. And as I wrote about it more on the blog then as these became more popular and there is an article that has more than 300 comments on it and long discussions about things i was refining my knowledge and you know writing down things um um in uh you know in my my, local uh, uh library and um and yeah i i i I basically did the did the research, which is ongoing. It's ne- it never stops as this keeps this landscape keeps changing and tax always changes. Um, which is where the, you know having a community, not only on the blog but also as a, as a you know course community, helps to uh, help each other and um, you know grow together. Basically, otherwise uh, it's it's really hard. So overall, yes, it it was it was hard. It wasn't fun, but when I saw the impact, it was so rewarding because you um, you cannot imagine how many people are in a situation where they, as you said, they take out, let's say, a minimum salary of uh, £12,000 or something and then dividends up to £50,000 and then the rest is, um, you know, little trivial benefits or uh, perhaps some pension. And then they are, you know, I had colleagues that um, just either were, were taking the entire amount out and were paying the highest dividend tax uh, and then were you know doing whatever they wanted to do or they were just leaving the money inside the company and this ended up having uh, a big surplus if you see it in two five ten years down the line you had a big surplus that's just idle doing nothing bank accounts pay zero these days um now with interest rates changing that they might pay might pay like one or two percent but but still um but still right uh and uh, and yeah it was it was uh, a painful but rewarding experience i'd say quick interruption if you're a fan of the show i'd love it if you could leave it a positive rating review in your podcast app of choice contrary to what you might have heard it doesn't actually help the show be discovered but it does provide the social proof that it's a show worth listening to so if you have 30 seconds to spare i'd really really appreciate it and now back to the show. I want to jump in a little bit more in terms of like, so you have the course and obviously I'll link up the, the articles, I'll link up the web, uh, the blog, all that kind of stuff. So people can go listen, check it out. Um, and if, yeah, and if, and if they're in time for the course, if not, you can sign up for the, the newsletter thing, which is what I've done. So I'll get a message whenever the course goes live. Um, but in terms of like, 
I guess, so like you explained kind of the way that you can do stuff with like separate companies or, you know, like a parent company, like kind of like what Google did with Alphabet, obviously on a much smaller scale. But in terms of like, let's say people do that. And, and I think the point that I'm trying to get across is to people that are listening is most people, at least that I, that I know and that I've spoken to don't invest period. Like their, their best investment strategy is I have a savings account that pays me 0.1%, right? So in terms of like when you do all of that stuff, so you've got, let's say you've set up a separate account, you've took, you know, 10,000 pounds or whatever you've took the amount of money, you've, you've put it in this account from your other business. And now the options are like, what, what is it that I could do with that money? Like, what are some good options? Um, or at least what are the options? I suppose good is dependent on who's doing it. Um, and kind of like what returns could you see? And obviously like it's super subjective, but I think the point that I want to get across is that like you could take that money that's doing nothing and earn more than 0.1% on it doing something else. Yeah, no, it's a fair point, uh, Rob. And I think like you, um, like you rightly said, and um, I probably always miss it, is that the first point is educate yourself on, on investing and try to understand what it is. And um, uh, because most people will probably just, as you said, have a savings account and perhaps they'll you know, try to you know, buy a house and put the, the you know, perhaps overpay their mortgage or something like that. But there is value in seeing what's out there and, um, and, and what, what else you can do. Right? So once, once you have educated yourself and, uh, uh, and you have understood the benefits of, of, of investing and what can do for, for you and your, your family, then uh, what are the options? There are plenty of options. For limited companies, there are still options um, like like individuals have. Um, and one option is to invest your money in the best businesses in of, of the world in the in the stock market. Right? Most uh, businesses are listed in the stock market, and you can easily and cheaply these days buy a fund that invests in thousands of companies around the world and benefit from from the from the economy and from the profits. As a shareholder, you get paid dividends you get paid a share of the profits sure there are ups and downs right uh, but you know historically this has provided around seven percent uh, return per year um again historically speaking and 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 you can you know let your money grow this way in a very you know, passive way um you can also do more research and pick individual companies uh, although personally i don't do that i think it's uh, it's definitely a hard thing to do um and um i don't i don't have the knowledge right um and then you can invest in other things you can a lot of people uh, in the community invest in buy to let and let's let's be honest buy to let has, has had an amazing run here in the in the uk in the past 40 years or so that interest rates kept dropping and you know the, the the price of money uh became cheaper so interest rates kept going lower and the asset prices kept going higher so you had um you know this uh, explosion in, in in house prices and um buy to let um can can help it also pays the rent so you have the cash flow uh element there so limited companies can can buy uh properties they can buy units uh and they can um invest this way um of course, you can buy other things. You can buy um, gold. You can buy commodities. You can buy gold ETFs as well. So uh, those funds that uh, invest in and hold hold gold or silver or other uh, commodities, um, you could buy uh, crypto as well. Uh, I know that um, a lot of people are interested in crypto, and um, 
and um, and yeah, limited companies can can hold that as well. So I'd say you can buy a lot of, a lot of things that uh, that an individual can buy. Uh, perhaps there are certain investments that have certain tax benefits for the individual, like let's say investing in small startups and offering EIS and some uh, some schemes there that offer tax breaks for individuals. But uh, but limited companies overall can have better tax benefits when it comes to taxation when you're a higher taxpayer and if you have maxed out your 50k a year uh, salary and and dividends then you enter the higher taxpayer territory and um, sometimes because limited companies don't pay um, income tax they pay corporation tax corporation tax can be lower than income tax depending of course on your band right depending on the person personal personal finances is, is after all personal uh but yeah limited companies can invest in in a wide range of uh, investments including you know bonds that they forgot of course very important bond funds and uh, other things like particular lending and perhaps property lending so you lend to developers that want to you know build uh build something and then uh you know pay you interest things like that okay all right, so so I have I have something else that I also wanted to ask, um, which again is like a general question. So just this is your opinion and my opinion, um, and I I guess for anybody listening, I always hear this on podcasts and stuff, and I'll put a disclaimer at the front. But for anybody listening, like this is not financial advice. This is educational advice. So definitely, if you want to do anything um, that gets talked about in this podcast, go and talk to somebody that is able to financially advise you, because um, I don't think either of us want to get in trouble. But the question is, um, in terms of this stuff, like, so someone's listening now. So for example, I sent your article about setting up a, a company for investment to a friend of mine. Um, and like literally the next day they spoke to their accountant and said, I want to do this. And their accountant set them up a second company and now they're investing in, you know, whatever. Um, and, and they, yeah. And they were super excited about it because they were in the same position as me. They were asking me questions like, what else can I do? And I was like, well, you're doing all the things that I know about. And then I happened to come across you and I was like, oh, there's another thing you could be doing. But I say that to say, if people are listening now and they hadn't thought about, you know, oh, I could take some of this money and I could invest it in, you know, Bitcoin or funds or whatever I choose, um, is now, in your opinion, a good or bad time to do that with so many people across the entire world? Like, oh, we're, we're about to come up to a recession, you know, recession's coming. Like I've been hearing that for at least six months. Um, and it's always one of those things like people say it, and I would believe it to be true, but you don't know when it's going to happen. Like it could be tomorrow, it could be a year from now. So if people are listening and they want to do it, is now a good time to do it? Do you think or not? It's a it's a tricky question. I mean, uh, and and I'm I'm definitely not. Uh, I think anyone that tells you what's going to happen in the next six twelve months uh, is is probably is probably a liar. Okay, because it's impossible to. To predict not only the how events will unfold, but also how to time your investments, right? Because the trick is not just to even if you let's say that even if you predicted 100% what's going to happen, you can still not predict um, equally well how investments going to uh, fare, right? Because think of think of COVID, think of March 2020. The world was going through a you know crazy time. And uh, all the markets were in free fall. All this, you know, the stocks were down. And suddenly, 23rd of March, I think, in the middle of, uh, you know, the, the chaos, 
you see the stock market starts climbing up higher and higher and higher without reason. And the, and, and the news became darker and darker. Stock market, uh, you know, went higher and higher, which was crazy to, to see, right? But it goes to show that you cannot really time these things. So is this is now a good time to invest? I don't know. But if I had to, but the good thing about um, about investors, at least regular contributors, is that what they um they can follow the, the the saying it's about time in the market not timing the market which means that if you um invest regularly and assuming that you you know your entire I know, lifetime income is not in your pocket right now so you you still haven't uh got hold of it then you can actually benefit from a falling market while you invest so Will the market fall further? I don't know. But even if it does, uh, if you invest with a long time horizon, let's say at least ten years from now, and um, and you you know and you invest um, uh, in the, in, the, in the entire market, so you 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 basically um, pick the funds that uh, um, that that can benefit from uh, from a cheap and um, and. and Let's say uh, the passive investing uh, that that I follow is definitely uh, something that I find uh, very interesting, uh, but that doesn't uh, doesn't mean that uh, you know everyone should follow this approach. But what I'm trying to say is that if you have a long time horizon and if you can invest regularly, um, then you can actually benefit from the um, downturns, the temporary declines that the market will give you. And for a young person, it's actually better to have the declines in the beginning than at the end of the journey. Because if you start investing and you see declines, you're buying more units for the same amount of money. Uh, you, you, you're simply buying more. Uh, and then you have uh, a tailwind. Whereas if you face the downturn later in your life, you have invested let's say for i don't know 10 20 years and then suddenly the market crashes by 50 percent 50 percent on 1 million pounds is different than 50 percent on 10,000 pounds right so you so your 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 wealth definitely um the, the downturn is the same in percentage but in nominal amount it hurts a lot more so i'd say that um you know for people that want to start now um one thing is to um you know understand how long term can um can help you and also to take a more defensive approach if you if you just don't uh don't have the risk the risk tolerance for it right because no one has to be in the stock market 100 percent um you can take more defensive a more defensive approach uh, add bonds into your portfolio diversify add some you know property uh do do some um some other things like um um with with your investments that are not as risky as the as the stock market is so i'd say that um a you have a long time horizon so as a as a particularly young investor can benefit from uh from this approach and b if you think that you're you're gonna panic and sell uh, at the bottom once your investment is you know minus 30 or 50 percent then just do it take a more uh, safer approach and also if you have a but then the question becomes like okay if i have a big sum in my company then what do i do do i invest it all right now um you know should i not wait for the recession to be over you can uh, you can you can uh you know take the more staggered approach and just invest in in tranches um over over the years no one uh has to invest all the money at once um 
even though mathematically this might be the better option but um that that all depends and investing is i'd say half psychology half art half half science so it's definitely uh it's definitely personal yeah i would agree I, like i think the the dollar cost or pound cost averaging however you want to term it is like the way to go at least personally because like one like you said you 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 might end up buying high this month but you end up buying low next month so it averages itself out because like you can't time the market um i remember i remember there was a study i think i've heard this on like a radio lab or a freakonomics episode where they were like um they did a study where they had a monkey i think it was like throwing it was something to do with a monkey and it was like throwing darts at stocks or something on a wall and it basically predicted just as well as professional investors which stocks were going to go up and which stocks were going to go down which goes to show that basically it was chance so like some investors do really well a bit better than like chance and other other investors but either way like you could just toss a coin 50-50 and you're likely to hit the same results so like i would definitely agree at least personally you know dollar cost averaging but then also i was going to say um like in terms of time in the market like i've definitely fallen into that trap like recently as well it's like january ethereum price dipped dramatically and i was like all right cool i'm going to buy ethereum now thinking like this is the bottom and then the next day it went down like another 25%. So it's like, all right, cool. So I definitely shouldn't have, you know, here's my money that I want to use for Ethereum. If I had dripped that in slowly, I would have got the low price, then the lower price, then the lower price. Um, and then I did the same thing with um, Netflix uh, this year. So like Netflix dropped like 70%. It dropped massively, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, like I, I everybody I know uses Netflix, right? So however bad the the investors think the company is doing, I don't ever see it going away. Like it would be a weird thing to go home and people just don't have Netflix. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll invest in this. And then the next day it dropped a little bit more. So it's like now it's your gain. Like I can see it going up, but it's going up lower than what I bought it for. So I'm still not breaking even. So it's like, yeah, uh, averaging it out and, and not trying to time the market and being passive um, is like great advice. But I, I kind of want to start closing it out a little bit. But for people that are not, limited companies right so there's a lot of people uh, listening now that if you're not freelancing like hopefully this is a little bit more encouragement to maybe go that route if you choose to um but for people that listen that are employees so they don't have that you know excess salary that they haven't withdrawn everything goes into their bank account what are some options that you would recommend for them or, or like what are some options for them other than just you know your standard i'll just left it in my savings account and it makes me you know 10 pounds or dollars a year yeah um i mean the savings accounts um don't pay that much as you as you rightly said but just want to uh say uh, a quote from uh, i think morgan housel uh from the book the psychology of money which is an amazing book by the way save like a pessimist invest like an optimist so this is a very very good quote that i like that describes the situation where you need to keep low expectations when you're investing and and um and you know so you you definitely need to you know save money for it and then um and then even though you you save like a pessimist and you think that the world will enter a recession also invest like an optimist so invest in uh income producing assets so don't just you know leave your money in the bank for 10 years uh earning nothing because let's let's be honest inflation um we had a good you know good run of low inflation but now things are changing so right now Right now, inflation runs at you know ten percent uh, a year, which is crazy here in the UK and it's and the entire world. It's not just the UK, of course. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, you know, keeping up, you know, keep, keeping your purchasing power is key, and particularly if you see the you see it in the amount of in in the, in the five years time, this ten percent a year can cut your wealth in half. I mean, it's, it's, but um, overall, I'd say that um, uh, investors that are not freelancing, so uh, um, you know, payee employees can definitely take advantage of the tools that are available to them. So use an ISA for your investing. Use uh, tax free wrapper so you don't pay uh and the, the government actually incentivizes you to uh to invest and to save for your future so there are different types of isas there's a cash isa that just gives you a little bit of interest there's stocks and shares isa that uh, they can use to invest in etfs and stocks and bonds um there are other types of size of isas if you're a first-time buyer um and um and the innovative one but other than the isa i'd say that Think about pension contributions um, a little bit more because um, this, they're basically free money. Seriously, they, especially the companies that offer a matching contribution. So, if your company, let's say, uh, offers you a five percent matching contribution, what does it mean? So, if you put five percent of your salary in your pension, then they will add another five percent top of it. Right, so they will match your contribution. It's that's basically free money from from uh from the company that you work for plus your money can grow tax-free in the pension wrapper plus you don't pay you know income tax uh while um because you don't take it in your pocket you defer the income tax for later you don't even pay sometimes national insurance contributions on it so basically the government says you know what use your pension this is a tool that you can put up to forty thousand every forty thousand pounds every tax year just use this tool to save for your future and you can do so in a very tax efficient way particularly if you're a higher taxpayer so developers you know sometimes send more than fifty thousand pounds so they would benefit a lot from the forty percent uh um contribution uh in, on, on top of their um, of what they would have uh, in their pocket. So these are the two tools. There are definitely more some more advanced tools, uh, not tools, but you know, uh, advanced vehicles. Let's say like the EIS and the VCT funds. That I think they they probably uh, it's like the Pareto principle. So eighty twenty. So eighty percent of your um, outcome will, will depend on twenty percent of the effort. So uh, I think with just a twenty percent, you can get most of it, um, most of the gain that you can. Not only from the tax side of things, but also from the investing side of things. All right, that's really interesting. All right, so so um, I want to wrap it up. Um, I'm going to bring it a little bit back to coding because that's why a lot of people listen to this podcast. Um, and so the question that I like to ask everybody. Um, and I'm going to ask you, because um, I find it interesting, is what do you think separates an okay developer from a great developer? The ability to eliminate. So that would be my, my answer. An okay developer would write some code and wouldn't ask the question like, um, is this needed, what I'm writing? Or... Um, versus a great developer that would look at code and basically sometimes just fix it by removing things rather than um, than trying to fix it by you know adding more more function and more classes. So I would say that a great developer will take a step back and always ask, "Why am I doing this? Is this needed? Can I remove things? Can I make the process simple?" Simplicity is key, and uh, I think a great developer understands that and 
tries to eliminate more than they add. So that that would be my my answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, it always it always comes down to generally encoding like the simple solution is always the best solution. And when you end up with that solution that could be one line of code and it turns into a hundred lines of code, then you know you've done something wrong. Um, so yeah, that totally makes sense. All right, cool. So then last, last question, um, where can people find you online? Where can they find your blog, your course, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, they can find me on foxymonkey.com. So that's the blog URL. Um, they can also find links to the, the course, which is at companyinvestingacademy.co.uk. Um, but uh, basically most of the course material is, uh, I like to say that it's, it's on the blog already. So you can go to foxymonkey.com and find out more about company investing, like your friend, talk to your accountant and, and do this stuff. I'm not, the, the course is more about uh, a structured way of doing this, you know, me teaching it, uh, being in touch with the community and talk to other, you know, similar people. But I'd say that most of the stuff that, that's there is, is free. And, you know, I, I, I wish, um, um, you know, if, if people want to, uh, reach out, just send me an email. Uh, you'll find my contact details there on foxymarket.com. So yeah, happy to. All right. Sweet. Cool. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to or anything I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? No, uh, the book we covered. Um, like I, I threw a resource there that I was thinking uh, is, is a good resource for people to find out more about investing. Um, Smarter Investing is another book, actually. Um, I'm not sure if I should tell people about. You have a question that you asked as, as optional, um, like what are some fun or noteworthy moments in your journey? And um, as a coder, I um, I was kind of obsessed with blackjack 10 years ago i wanted to be an advantage gambler and i thought okay i'll actually create a an automated system to not go to the casino because blackjack is a game that you can beat the casino and um as long as you have the you know the memory and the and the skills and the practice most mm-hmm. of it is practice is that, actually is that card counting is how you yeah it's it card counting is, exactly yeah, okay. so i implemented yeah. a card counting strategy and um and I really wrote wrote a lot of code in uh, on it in different language. I'm a Java developer, so I wrote it in C sharp because I wanted to learn. And uh, and perhaps I could highlight that uh, as a fun moment uh, in my in my journey that I wanted to automate it and, and and put it in live casinos because there are online live casinos. But in the end, um, the mo- the most time consuming bit was actually the interface that would detect and place the bets and make sure that everything is done correctly rather than writing the actual algorithm that beats the casino, which was a, was a surprising finding, uh, if you ask me. Um, so so did, did, did this tool work? Because I was always under the impression um, that with stuff like that, like because it's a software, like the rule, the same rules don't apply in terms of like, yeah, sure, they're using a 52-card deck or whatever they're using, but they could like the rules that apply in real life when you can do card counting doesn't necessarily, I always thought it didn't necessarily apply to like online because you know, they could just shuffle the deck every, every time and you would have no idea cause you don't see it. Right. So, so did the tool that you built actually work to, to, to do that? It didn't work for a different reason. Uh, it didn't work because the interface, I, I never finished the interface that actually, uh, implements the strategy and uh, places the bets and everything. But, um, but it would have worked because there are some live, casinos there that ah, um, okay. that you can do live it's, it's as if you're in the casino at least back in the time they they yeah you had to look at uh, you seem to know a lot about card counting row right uh, so <laughs> so there were um casinos that uh i think were dealing with uh you know four four um 
uh, how do you call it, with with a deck that you can count basically, because if they just shuffle every round, then you cannot the the system doesn't work. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. All right, that's interesting. So I assume this was like a hobby of yours, was the blackjack thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was uh, me actually reading three books on blackjack. I say, I can I can get rich by just you know coding something that can bet against a live online casino, and uh, and uh, but the interface was actually the hardest bit. That was a surprising finding. So, but how comes you didn't finish that? Did you just lose interest, or was it like too difficult at that time? Yeah, I think it was. Um, it was too difficult, and and then I just quit. Um, it was it was too difficult to also um, customize it to different interfaces because casinos have different inter- interfaces. So, um, but even as an MVP, uh, the, the the backend was done, but then the the actual uh, uh, frontend was was uh, was you know, left behind. Okay. All right. That's super interesting. I assume, and like, so now I'm super interested, right? So I assume the concept concept of this was like, you just log in somewhere and then you just leave it and you come back in an hour and it just plays for you. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other hard thing about, about this was the, uh, the pace that they play is, is quite important. So they play really, really slow in live online casinos. I don't know why. Um, Although the incentive is actually to play fast because that's, you know, it's more profitable for the casino. But they play really slow and this definitely hurts the profits. So it's a, it's a combination of things that uh, I actually thought, yeah, let's quit, do something else. <laughs> that's too much work. All right, brilliant. And then, and then you found a, a, a safer way to gamble with, with your company's money, I, I would say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or fellow developer. And if you really want to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.